Tay Learning. My name is Danny, And I'm Olivia. We are your co-hosts. We know it's been a long two weeks and we also know that we broke a promise and we're sorry. We I'm said so that we would have we're to be liars. <laughs> we said we would be doing this episode like three weeks ago and then we're like, okay, actually we're overwhelmed. We'll do it the next week. And then we <laughs> didn't put out any episode last week. Things are busy right now. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, listen, don't mean to brag or anything, but if you haven't checked us out on TikTok, we did kind of get a viral video. It's been a little overwhelming and we just needed to process that. But here we are. Yeah, we're an- we analyzed Bejeweled, we made it. There's a good chance if you're listening to this, you're actually from the viral videos, which is awesome, which like welcome. just <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the Taylorning family. I don't think I realized, Olivia, how much your opinions of ranking songs about exes would be so controversial. Like, just to touch on it. It's so controversial. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, like, it's kind of mind-blowing to me because I guess I forget that, Danny, you and I deep dive, like, Taylor's history and we literally know so much knowledge about Taylor and her past and how that relates to her music and I forget sometimes it's not common knowledge for everybody but that's what we're here for (laughs) that's what we're here for but some people are so adamant it blows my mind again if you're listening to this and you're from TikTok I hope that you love it I hope that you enjoy learning all of this stuff (laughs) and I promise I am not shit talking you or any other commenters I will say some people are like all too well is about John Mayer and I'm sitting there jaw on the floor that's like, the one that we know <laughs> it was like the cover of magazines and when <laughs> when red tv came out like Jake jiggle hips in the wrong <laughs> Jake boring hall <laughs> Jake boring all people in our comments miss like putting weird names for Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> Jake Jiggle Hips was my favorite, but oh, you guys are funny out there. <laughs> this week we did analyze Bejeweled, just like everybody has been doing for the past two months. If you haven't listened to the All Too Well short film music video, same thing, analysis episode that we did, then you might not know exactly how we do these analysis videos. And so basically what Olivia and I are going to do is kind of walk you through the music video as though you haven't seen it before, or just to give you context, at least as we talk through the Easter eggs and some of the analysis work that we've been doing. Yeah, exactly. Taylor Swift had some thoughts about the music video. What did she say again when it came out? So I love Taylor quotes. So if you're new here, I love reading quotes that Taylor has said because I just I love them and the one I have now is from October 2022 when Midnight's came out Taylor was on Jimmy Kimmel to promote it and she talked about all the easter eggs in the Bejeweled music video she said I wanted to make a video that is just for the fans who like certain things like glitter and easter eggs and lots of little cameos And when she was asked about the Easter eggs specifically, she said that there is, quote, a psychotic amount. She said, we have a PDF file for the Easter eggs in this video because there are so many that we could not keep track. So something that Taylor has done before is when fans are right, 
on the money she straight up lies like when she said that the name of her album lover was hidden in the music video for me and a bunch of people guessed lover she was like no one's got it yet girl lied so sometimes <laughs> I think like with the look what you made me do video which we'll do an analysis on later yes she said that there's no way people have caught all the easter eggs which is totally possible but it's not like she's known for being 100 truthful so we might have caught them all and we will never know and so i wonder yeah. with the bejeweled music video as we're going through this have we caught everything has the gen general public caught everything and yes she had a pdf to keep up with it because of course this is overwhelming or she's telling us that you'll you there's no way you caught it all because it's better to keep us wondering or right. Is this thing really so deeply embedded with Easter eggs that they're so nuanced and small that we'll never catch them? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, she likes to leave Easter eggs like on her nails in terms of color of nail polish she's wearing. If you're not very familiar with Taylor's history of Easter eggs, we do happen to have an episode going into great detail of all the Easter eggs that she likes to do throughout her career. Go check out the Clown Nelia Street episode for that info. <laughs> Clownelia Street. <laughs> so let's kick off the video and watch alongside us if you would like to. Uh, we can give you some time marks where it's at. And again, of course, it's free on YouTube, as are pretty much all music videos nowadays. And the music video starts off with a cutscene. So it's not the actual song playing yet. And it's basically like a Cinderella riff. And, and Taylor Swift in this scene is, you know, Cinderella. She's on the ground. She's in a dress. Her hair is put back, but it's not like fancy. And she's scrubbing. Is that vomit off the ground? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gnarly. <laughs> and then the Heim sisters come in. Yes. And something notable about just Taylor in this scene is she is giving folklore evermore vibes hardcore her hairstyle and outfit are really reminiscent of things that she wore in the willow music video and the cardigan music video so i interpreted this as you know this is folklore evermore taylor i think that that's probably a correct interpretation and the real irony here is that the girls who play her stepsisters the Heim sisters, Estee, Danielle, and Alana, they were featured on Nobody, No Crime. Which is on Evermore. So yeah. I think that that's kind of fun. They have a very <laughs> long documented friendship. Taylor actually performed with Heim over the summer at their show in London, which I think is super fun because that in and of itself is kind of an Easter egg. I don't know. Maybe not. Right. Maybe we should rewatch the performance of her with Haim at their London show and see if there is any sort of a hint to Bejeweled there, because that's totally right. possible. That would be so interesting. I also think it's notable to point out that there are three stepsisters instead of the classic two. And it could be she just wanted to include all three of the sisters. But things keep showing up in threes throughout this entire video. And a lot of people think that that represents Taylor's third album, Speak Now. Totally possible. Then once the Heim sisters enter, the evil stepsisters enter, they're using really modern language, which is pretty funny. <laughs> it's kind of, again, millennial coded, but it's quirky. Like one of them saying, he's going to choose me, my dudes. I even contoured my abs with the mud from the hog pen outside. And so it's pretty obvious at this point that they're hinting towards a classic 
ball that happens in Cinderella stories. One of the sisters says that she bought diamond nipple tassels. So it's very modern language in this scene, but it's a funny cutscene, and I don't know how they didn't lose their minds. But after the diamond nipple tassels line, down sits Laura Dern, who we love. We love Laura Dern. <laughs> Oscar winner Laura Dern. <laughs> who says the line, well, I'll be poisoning all the other maidens in the village. Laura Dern kind of has villain face, so good for her for using that to her advantage. So something that I noticed was that the Heim sisters are all in different colored dresses. And some people think that these colors represent the different Midnight's vinyl variants. So we have the mahogany, we have jade green and lavender. And then I was like, well, wait, what about the other ones? Kind of skipping ahead a bit, but just to tie it in here, because I think it's relevant, the blood moon does make an appearance in the last clip and then moonstone is included as a lyric in the actual song so we've covered all five vinyl variants mahogany jade green lavender blood moon and moonstone that's so creative they are all decked out in jewels obviously bejeweled feels pretty on the nose there and after laura dern's character says that she's going to poison all the maidens the heim sisters are like yes mom yes (laughs) ma'am like it's again very internet style language Mm -hmm. and then one of the sisters says that they're changing it this year instead of just showing up at the ball and looking hot you have to enter a talent competition and if you win you get the keys to your own castle taylor references castles a lot throughout her discography Um, it's just interesting that the goal here is to win the castle so like in new romantics she says i could build a castle out of all the bricks they threw at me Look what you made me do. She kind of references a castle. I don't like your kingdom keys. They once belonged to me. Call it what you want. My castle crumbled overnight. And then we learn House Wench Taylor wants the castle. That's what catches House Wench Taylor's attention. Because immediately after, there's the and a marriage proposal from the prince. And that seems less intriguing to House Wench Taylor. And then it pauses and over all of the characters, it says what they are. So Lady Danielle wants the ring. Lady Esty wants the title. Lady Alana wants the dick. It's implied it's D. The the dick. It's it's implied because it says D with three asterisks. And then House Wench Taylor wants the castle. Just a fun little moment. And again, it's important to know if you didn't catch on yet that Taylor Swift did direct this herself. So this is exactly the way that she wanted it portrayed. And I think that's fun. So Laura Dern says, oh, I simply adore a proposal. The single most defining thing a lady could hope to achieve in her lifetime, which I think is directly referencing the fact that everybody talks about Taylor Swift getting married to Joe Alwyn. Oh, they've been married since blah, 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 blah. There's been speculation literally since they started dating yep. that they were married. And Taylor Swift herself thinks that it's weird that that is such a topic of speculation. And it's confirmed in Lavender Haze, the only kind of girl they see as a one night or a wife. And right before yeah. that, the everyone's asking me when, when I'm going to be your bride. And 
we talk about this a little bit too in our champagne problems analysis episode, because we think that a lot of those feelings in her personal life kind of carried over to that fictional story that she was creating. I think that the way that Laura Dern says it is so saccharine. It is so obviously referencing like, this is the most important thing. Wink, even though Taylor Swift in real life is breaking Mm-hmm. records and doing things that have literally never happened before for any artist. It continues with a Laura Dern saying, look how many mommies received when, and holding up all of her rings when talking about proposals. And these rings are interesting because they're kind of unclear. She's moving her fingers really quickly, but I know that there are some references to what the rings might mean. Like one looks like a red ring. Um, what have you seen about the rings? Yeah, so I actually have a little bit written down about it. I think they definitely mean something. I just can't really figure it out exactly. I can pick out a lover-esque one that's right next to a reputation-esque one. And then the red ring you were talking about, it looks really similar to like the legit red ring that is on the cover of Red Taylor's version. But it's not that exact ring, but it looks really similar. And I don't think that would have been a Taylor Swift accident. No, it's not an accident. It's just Taylor Swift. Yep. (laughs) So the story continues with one of the sisters saying that they know who won't be attending the ball that night and says that weasel down there cleaning up my sick from last night. Can I also just talk about like probably the thing that gives me the ick about this video (laughs) What? <laughs> Why is she cleaning up vomit like that? Why oh. is she taking a scrub brush and scrubbing the vomit in the floor? You wipe the vomit up and then you scrub the floor. She's rubbing <laughs> it into the floor. Literally. So Olivia used to be a vet tech. And so she's cleaned up quite a bit of vomit yes. in her day from primarily animals. <laughs> you grab a towel, you wipe it up. Yeah, and you then you scrub it first. <laughs> That's so true. I thought that that was... That, that was something that only bothered me. So, oh, no, it's like nails on chalkboard when I watch it. Ugh. It's really gross. And it's something that they do in like every Cinderella-esque story. So maybe that's exactly what it meant to be. <laughs> then, you know, the sisters continue to mock her, telling her to clean the bed pot next. And then Taylor Swift, as the wench says, do we honestly have to do this whole entire verbal abuse thing every time you leave the house? Which does make me laugh. And And it kind of, I feel like, alludes to how she felt um, after 2016, how everyone was, like, berating her and saying all this nasty stuff about her. I would agree with that. Like, especially since they're saying, shut up, nobody cares. I mean, one of the comments says, you smell. And I don't think anybody explicitly said that she smelled during 2016. But, like, it's all telling her to shut up and, I don't know, feel self-reflective. Yeah. And if you don't really know what happened in 2016, we do have an episode about it. Check out Rise of the Snake. Yeah, two episodes, technically. (laughs) So then Laura Dern hits it with the best burn and an Easter egg when she says, speak not, tired tacky wench. Speak not. Speak Speak not. not. The video continues with Laura Dern saying, even if she were allowed to go, which she is not, the prince would never have anything to do with that little harlot again. He tired of her quite quickly, didn't he? Or should I say swiftly? (laughs) Swiftly is really obviously just like a play on the last name Swift. And it's a common play on the last name Swift. Like that's, you know, a joke that the media makes a lot. 
that harlot again. He tired of her quite quickly. So first of all, calling her a harlot and harlot is basically like slut. And that is pretty much what the media has called her since before she was even legally an adult, which is kind of fucked up. Oh, yeah. I think that that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And the line, he tired of her quite quickly. I think it's a reference to like, again, the things that the media would say about her romantic relationships throughout her career, how, you know, she was too clingy and crazy and would scare guys away. She couldn't hold a guy down for more than three months. Well, Taylor herself says, there it is. That joke never gets old. Thank you so much. So probably how she feels when the media does make jokes off of her surname. Laura Dern continues with, lest we forget, you've been exiled here. Hmm. (laughs) Where have we had that, heard that word before? (laughs) I think this is especially interesting because it's obviously, you know, a reference to Taylor's song, Exile from Folklore, while Taylor is dressed as Folklorian Taylor. And loved by so many people. And the anxiety that Taylor has about going back into pop music, which is where she is the most comfortable and evidently the happiest. And too, she really makes a point in interviews, her documentary, that she feels like she is too old to like be successful in pop. She thinks like it's not normal. She can't believe that she can be successful in pop as a 33-year-old. And that's something that she constantly like that anxiety constantly shines through in her interviews. Which we have our remaining relevant series. And in the songs that we review in that series, Nothing New, Mirrorball, Long Live, and The Lucky One. In those songs, it's really honest and obvious that it is something that she is horrified about is the fact that women oftentimes over 30 in this industry are crumpled up and tossed to the side Mm -hmm. for something younger. She, while incredibly talented, what makes her different from the norm is what's going through her head constantly. Yeah. And we talk about that all throughout the remaining relevant series. So give that a listen. This is just like a plug episode. (laughs) I know we have a good backlog. Okay. (laughs) We do. And since so many of you are new, we want you to know that there's so much to learn. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so as the Heim sisters are leaving, one of them calls her a snake, yeah. Kim Ye. Well, Kim specifically calling her a snake and the world calling her a snake, reputation, yada, yada. And then have fun being exiled, stinky, exiled again. As the Heim sisters are walking out, they sing, I'm gonna be hungover. I'm gonna be hungover. I'm gonna drink a bunch of different drinks. And I'm gonna, gonna be hungover. And that's only funny because they did that as a TikTok like a year ago. And I think it's funny that they Easter egged like themselves, basically. You know, they had so much fun on this set. (laughs) They absolutely did. Uh, Before we get into when Bejeweled actually starts, an important point is that during this entire scene, we have an instrumental Enchanted playing in the background which enchanted is from her third studio album speak now and it's giving major bridgerton vibes i'm getting a lot of bridgerton vibes from this video honestly it just makes me want to rewatch bridgerton real bad yeah (laughs) so then the song does kick off and 
Taylor Swift looks at the camera and like looks all saucy. And then the title card shows up, Bejeweled. <laughs> Bejeweled, written and directed by Taylor Swift. And you get like the little jinglings at the beginning of the song. And she begins with the lyrics, which I don't need to talk you through the lyrics. And we'll eventually do a Bejeweled song analysis. This is just for the music video. The camera pans and it's her looking at the prince. Prince Jack. <laughs> it's Jack Antonoff. <laughs> I love Jack Antonoff. And this portrait of Prince Jack has him with eight cats because Taylor Swift loves cats. But why and eight? Exactly, why eight? And then eight comes up later too, so it makes me suspicious. I don't know why there's eight. Hmm. And the reason why, you know, this is notable, if you haven't listened to our Clownelia Street episode, Taylor eggs this shit on, you know, like... She she has said before in interviews, maybe make a point to count, like, why were there seven briefcases? Why were there X number of whatever, whatever that could have a meaning? So that's why we're noting numbers here. I will say eight is her eighth album is folklore, which mm. I wonder if like it's her referencing, again, the folk indie alternative thing that she has been doing for the past couple of years. I wonder if that's a nod to that. Maybe. But she does have three cats. So him carrying cats is no surprise. She's got Meredith, Olivia, and Benjamin. And if you look at the corner of the frame during that shot, you can spot a spinning wheel, kind of like the one in Sleeping Beauty. Uh, Fairy tales definitely take a theme in Taylor's music, especially her earlier music, like Love Story, even like the vibe of Enchanted, just her early fairy tale era, if you will. (laughs) it really like made an imprint on her the whole princess and Mm -hmm. um like fantastical epic love that yeah that really made an imprint on a very young taylor swift and i personally love it i think it creates beautiful imagery and i think it makes her like really invested in the song she's singing i agree so then a watch materializes out of nowhere and she opens this magical watch and it says exile ends with a countdown from three from three there are so many sets of three in this video and then she gets up and she's covered suddenly randomly in this bejeweled black cloak yeah and i think this little transition i mean exile ends like we already talked about how she's in exile meaning she's in her folklore era and evermore you know folklorian folklore Folk Folklovermore. <laughs> but I think that, you know, the exile ends indicates her leaving that era and she's in this bedazzled cloak. She's coming back to pop. And that cloak looks almost exactly like the cloak yeah. from Ready For It. Are you ready for it? Yeah, um, ready for it. Like her her stage outfit, you know, like the hood and everything. If you haven't watched the Reputation Stadium tour, which like, what's wrong with you? If you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. But it's the first immediate thing that we thought of when she came out in this cloak. And again, it's aptly covered in jewels, but like it's still, it's giving reputation. It's giving ready for it. It's Yeah. And she has like her, her hand is like bedazzled and it kind of gives me the out of the woods jumpsuit vibes. From yeah. Nine World Tour. So I wonder if this was like a hint at tour coming. I really wonder if when she's on the Eras tour, if she's going to like bring back any old outfits. I wonder. Be kind of vibey. 
what great. if she mixed them together like could you imagine wearing that cloak and then like also wearing the out of the woods jumpsuit from the 1989 tour i don't know i would yeah. love it. what if she would like mix together songs from two eras while her outfit was from those two eras whatever i'm sorry i'm, I'm just like, <laughs> i'm just excited for tour <laughs> yeah literally just excited for tour and my uh, brain can't like compute how she's gonna pull off this show what like i don't understand I have no idea. I have no idea. And she's directing a movie too. What the fuck? She really was not kidding when she said midnights became her afternoons. She doesn't sleep. (laughs) Then we have the iconic elevator shot. So we know 13 is her lucky number. So having 13 buttons on the elevator, 13 floors, unsurprising entirely, except for the fact that the buttons are all different colors and those colors match up with the albums she's released, including her re-recorded albums. And with her re-recorded albums, that's 12 albums. So number 13, what could it be other than purple? But she presses number three, which is also purple. And Speak Now is purple and also the third album. And important to note that the Taylor's versions of the buttons match exactly to the original version. So number two is yellow for Fearless. And then number 10 is the exact same shade of yellow for Fearless Taylor's version. Same thing, like floor four is red for red and floor 11 is also the same color red to like coincide. Floor 13 is the exact same shade of purple. And we think that means Speak Now Taylor's version is her next album. It's pretty good evidence, I guess. (laughs) But she also likes to do the redirect. This whole thing is basically one big Speak Now Easter egg, just like we say in our Speak Now versus 1989 Choose Your Fighter episode. I wish that we would have done like a video reaction of us watching this for the first time because we were like, (gasps) shook the whole time. (laughs) Well, the camera goes out and you see the elevator rising up the building while she's singing the lyrics, When I Want the Penthouse of Your Heart. I think that's just fun. Also, it kind of looks like the Empire state building it's very art deco and the only reason i'm gonna make that as a note is because the empire state building posts like taylor swift coded stuff on their tiktok all the time and i'm like do y'all know something or are you just baiting swifties they love taylor swift they love taylor swift bestie one and bestie two (laughs) (laughs) it's taylor being dramatic in the elevator for a bit And then during the polish up real nice lyric, she exits the elevator wearing this absolutely stunning bejeweled, obviously, corset. And these not bejeweled yet, though. Sorry, it's not bejeweled yet. You're so right. And she has on this cloak. Her eye makeup is absolutely fire. And a note about her eye makeup is that the corner of her eye is like debut green. And the outside of her eye makeup is midnight blue. I love the symbolism on this floor of these jewels kind of like floating to her and coming in and attaching themselves to her bodysuit and bedazzling her because all of these jewels are different colors and it's no big surprise that in the fandom we associate different albums with different colors and she basically has most of the colors covered and so my brain says that this scene is like she's reclaiming all of her old works and bringing them to her and as is especially supported because the lyric i can reclaim the land is sung well all these jewels are like collecting on her bodysuit so i think it represents her getting her the ownership of all her previous works back i hadn't thought about that and i think that that's entirely what it is i can reclaim the land during that is too on point and then to be followed by the lyric i miss you but i miss sparkling we're back to pop taylor 
her necklace here is noteworthy because it's not noteworthy because those yeah. gems are not in any specific order. They're kind of album related in their colors, but they're not in a specific order. I don't know what's happening on the necklace. I tried to figure it out. Couldn't figure it yeah, out. It, you have an answer. Let me know. It's weird because a lot of emphasis was placed on this necklace coming around her neck. I think we're so suspicious of it because I think it's like a, a shot right before the necklace. She gets a bracelet on. And then my immediate thought is like, oh my God, that's the bejeweled bracelet that Taylor sold on her site. Before we even knew Bejeweled was a song, it was called the Bejeweled Bracelet. And this bracelet has 12 gems on it. And the gems coincide with the colors of her albums in chronological order. So that's why we're like, what does this necklace mean when clearly she made that Bejeweled Bracelet, meaning for us to attach it to this song, attach it to this moment. So it's just a little weird and suspicious. Yeah, something sus there. But when she turns around during the I Miss Sparkling lyric, her earrings, you know, sparkle. So emphasis then comes on her earring. And it's made up of two jewels. The top jewel is red and the bottom jewel is purple. And a lot of people think that the small red jewel on top represents the red album and the purple jewel on the bottom represents speak now and that kind of represents her leaving her red taylor's version era and going into speak now huh interesting i do have a lingering question about floor three and i couldn't figure it out like why why this is going on the floors as we'll find out as we get farther in represent different albums i mean the floor buttons are represent different albums she selects floor three speak now and she gets out and it's the dark glittering room where she gathers all of the gemstones on her before moving on what does this dark jewel filled room mean in terms of speak now I wonder if it means like she's entering this jewel filled room and then when they all attach to her and she leaves it that room is blank that room is empty because Speak Now OG doesn't matter anymore once once Speak Now TV exists in the world. Interesting. That would be my interpretation of it is she's taking all of the sparkle of Speak Now with her. And then it's just an I empty like room. That. I like that. She sashays her way up to the fifth floor from this point. And her fifth album is My Baby, 1989. <laughs> she exits the elevator looking like she's in her high society clothes from the 1989 era music videos it's giving wildest dreams it's even giving blank space a little bit she's got on her red lipstick and her hair is in like the little pin 1940s style pin i can still make the whole place shimmer when she walks in the room yeah and the entire room is lit in this like really vibrant teal which is what we know that taylor associates with 1989 Dita Von Tees, a famous burlesque dancer, turns around dramatically. And it's notable that Dita Von Tees in this music video looks kind of like Taylor Swift in the Wildest Dreams music video with the oh, jet yeah. black hair. So before we hop into what happens on floor five and the rest of the Easter eggs, we're going to talk about Anchor real quick. So we're on floor five. We're in 1989. These ladies look absolutely fabulous, obviously bejeweled with just this insane glam makeup. They're pretty sexy. <laughs> I'm just going to put it at that. It's like they're very reminiscent of like the flashy, like bodysuit 
1989 aesthetic. It is. Like, I don't think that this is a secret at all that it's referencing 1989. During the nice, it tailors like staring at the camera and it's very uncanny valley and it cracks me up. Like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then they start dancing. And this sequence is so much longer than most sequences during the music video, which I think is funny. They're in these giant martini glasses. They're spinning around and taking these like baths in them. This is actually what Dita Von Teese is known for. This is like her most famous routine. Actually, Really? Mm-hmm. This routine specifically? Yep. I mean, I think that a lot of her performances are in one of those like kind of wide champagne glasses. So it's called like her champagne glass like routine or whatever. But that's why they're doing this is because this is like Dita Von Teese's thing. Do we know how Taylor and Dita know each other? No. All I know is that Taylor in her Jimmy Kimmel interview talked about how she feels like Dita Von Teese is like a really iconic dancer. So I think she's someone that Taylor really admires. Amazing. They squeeze olive loofahs on themselves during the <laughs> someone said my aura's moonstone just because he was high line, which I love that lyric. And they seem to be having a great time. Taylor gives Dita a small run for her money while they're splashing around and dancing. I think that it's interesting that she sings the line, Sapphire tears on my face, sadness became my whole sky on the 1989 floor. And she has these like little gemstones that are like in the shape of tears under her eyes. And I imagine that this line is a reference to 2016 when the world turned against her and she felt really hurt by it. And this technically happened during the 1989 era. So it's interesting that that line is being sung on the 1989 floor. Oh my God, good catch. I also think it's interesting that Speak Now and 1989 are the only floors that she visits in this video before going to the 13th floor. And I personally believe that Taylor wanted to release 1989 Taylor's version as her next re-recording. But with the Shake It Off lawsuit that was going on, we can say past tense because um, it's no longer going on and Taylor wins. <laughs> but uh, with that lawsuit going on, she decided to re-record Speak Now instead. So I just think it's interesting that these are the two floors that she visited. And I feel like her stopping at the fifth floor in the video was like a nod to that idea. But then she had to move on to floor 13, which is Speak Now Taylor's version. So my question for you is, do you think that because the Shake It Off lawsuit was dropped, that she would want to revert to her original plan if this was her original plan and drop 1989 next? Mm. I know she dropped all these Speak Now Easter eggs, but like, I don't know. I still want my 1989 summer. Same. 100% same. (laughs) But like. If we got a 1989 summer, I don't think it'd be this summer because I can't imagine her releasing 1989 Taylor's version in the middle of tour because that kind of takes away from tour. But at the same time, she's she's been overwhelming us with a bunch of shit anyway. She's not giving anything like room you know, to breathe. Yeah, or the way that she classically would like every two years release an album. Feel <laughs> like she's promised Speak Now next explicitly in this video. So it'd be kind of rude of her to go back on that, even though I would prefer 1989 next. I don't know. Something she's also said more recently that she is at her happiest, her most content when she is constantly pumping shit out. So my word's not hers. So which is like, which 
form of thought is she going to follow? The one that makes her like yeah. intrinsically the happiest, which is just giving and giving and giving and pushing stuff out of that genius brain of hers, or mm-hmm. the one that like makes her mental health maybe better because the world hates her less when she is elusive. I don't know which one it is for my own benefit. I want her to keep pushing stuff out, but like, as it's been pointed out before, technically, yes, we're in the midnight's era, but it's not the midnight's tour where we are in the era's era. Anything could happen. And anything could happen just because it's Taylor Swift. I think she learned when she, you know, came back with reputation after disappearing from public eye for an entire year. And especially during folklore during 2020, she learned that she didn't have to follow a formula. She's creating her own formula. And I think mature Taylor Swift understands she can do whatever she wants and it's going to be fine. To kind of piggyback off of what you were saying about her feeling overexposed, but also being happy when she just does a bunch of stuff and like creates a bunch of things. It makes me curious if that's why she's leaning into like her directing passion and is like going to direct a movie and kind of do things where she's not so much in the spotlight, but she's still creating. She still has that creative outlet. That could definitely be true. I was thinking about that while you were speaking. Whatever Mm -hmm. gives her a creative outlet without being overexposed. But even again, even if she is overexposed at this point, I'm not going to say she's infallible. I'm not going to say she's bulletproof. But if there were a celebrity who were, it is going to be her. As she says in Karma, tell her why so many fade, but she's still here. Yeah. Because she's set the precedent. And she's a really good person. Did you see her donation? No. For her birthday, she donated to a foundation that takes in homeless cats and like rehabilitates them and gets them homes. And she made a sizable donation and she didn't make this announcement. The shelter posted about it on their Instagram saying that they named their newest intake cat, Angel Taylor, after Taylor Swift for her sizable donation. Oh, and that just like shows that she does good things, not to show off that she does good things. She does good things because she's a good person opposite of anti-hero yeah she would argue am I doing good things to be a good person because I am a good person or because I want people to think I am but you know that's between Taylor and her incredibly lauded therapist I'm sure yep she doesn't even have a therapist does she she talks to her mom it's her mom really at least she talked about it in the Miss Americana documentary of how she's never gone to therapy okay yeah that's probably still true then but because I can't imagine she she feels comfortable trusting somebody that's so true they would immediately sell her secrets actually yeah so she talks through things with her mom her mom and her pen and her paper so now Taylor Swift gets in the elevator whoop she's up to the penthouse of your heart she is in the top floor and she descends wearing this Mm two-piece jeweled midnightsy bikini thing with her hair looking kind of like mean you're ever gonna be is mean why you gotta be so mean the mean music video from she performs in the mean music video too and she's sitting on the clock itself on the arms which are conveniently placed at the time three o'clock which would be the most comfortable position to sit on yes but three but it could have been nine o'clock could have been nine o'clock and it could be a nod at her like 3 a.m. tracks and stuff too. It's just three keeps showing up 
Also, the idea of clocks represents midnights. Like, clocks are the symbol of this album. Which makes sense because, you know, midnight. There are dancers around her. They all look fabulous. The Heim there are sisters. eight dancers. Eight dancers. That's the other eight. Yeah. Again, like, good. why? Of course, the clock wasn't set to nine o'clock. That would have been an Evermore reference. And she doesn't acknowledge. Yeah, she forgets about that one. <laughs> Some people think that this whole performance and the stage setup with, you know, the dancers and Taylor dancing on like what looks like gears of a clock. They think this might be an Easter egg for what's to come on the Eras tour set. What if she descended on a clock? Yeah, people have a theory that the catwalk will rotate kind of similar to the 1989 catwalk, but it'll be like clock theme. It's a massive catwalk. If you look at the stage layout for the Eras tour versus the 1989, which she had a massive, long, linear catwalk that she performed on, and it looked like a reasonable size, but you compare that to the Eras, Eras tour is just like one massive stage. It's hardly even a catwalk. I'm really jazzed about it. Somebody said it looks like a key online. Yeah, I saw that too. They're dancing. The Heim sisters as the evil stepsisters are standing there and they scream like, no, (laughs) because obviously they're losing. And this is giving Bridgerton again. We're back at the Bridgerton. Mm -hmm. We know Taylor. You know, she watches it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we we know. Shit up. You think she was a Simon girly or an Anthony girly? Because I'm I'm an Anthony girly. Simon's I'm hot. Simon don't get me wrong. Girly. I'm a Simon girly. Oh, like in season one, I saw Anthony. Anthony and I was like, pissed me off the whole time. I could never root for him. He didn't give me butter. Like the the enemies to lovers tension was fun, but like when we got to like the resolution, I was like, okay, now I'm bored. Made me so mad, and unfortunately, and I truly hope my boyfriend is not listening to this because this is not what I want him to do. But the more he pissed me off, the more I wanted to kiss him the more I wanted to lick his face so to answer your question I think that young early 20s Taylor would be an Anthony girly I think modern day Taylor is a Simon girly probably true the camera pans over to the queen who's Pat McGrath also her makeup artist in real life and for this music video is surrounded by photos of her family Zoe Kravitz and Sam Do. and Zoe Kravitz did help write Lavender Haze Both Zoe and Sam Dew helped to write Lavender Haze. Sam Dew did as well? Well, Sam Dew did help write I Don't Want to Live Forever. Yes, they both helped to write Lavender Haze, which makes me think the Lavender Haze. I mean, we do know Lavender Haze is the next single because it's being, you know handed out to radio stations to play as a single and at this time we didn't know that when Bejeweled came out so I think this is an easter egg for Lavender Haze being the next single and next music video huh very nice and of course Sam do like I said I don't want to live forever and that was written with Jack Antonoff as well who is also in a portrait also he's just a little cut off (laughs) (laughs) don't care about him we don't need another easter egg we know he exists and is there also Um, Pat McGrath you know, she's Taylor's makeup artist, but she also has a line of makeup. And most notably, she is the creator of Taylor's favorite iconic red lipstick. 
So then obviously Queen Pat McGrath is very pleased by House Wench Taylor's performance. So it pans over to their photograph getting taken and there's a lot here to cover. So just to paint the photo itself, we've got House Wench Taylor who now has like the big hair on that royals would wear, a big blue gown, Prince Jack Antonoff is standing behind her, holding her. The words over the screen say Prince Jack was forced to propose to House Wench Taylor, and Taylor is holding a key. And on that key is a ribbon. What the fuck is... Okay. The ribbon. The ribbon immediately stood out to me as weird. And I haven't seen anybody talk about this ribbon. Like, nobody in all the bejeweled analyses that I've watched. Nobody talks about this. Because, (laughs) I guess for me a really ornate key if you were to tie a ribbon around it you would like tie it like around the shaft of the ribbon and tie it in a bow yes especially if you're like gifting it to someone you're gonna put a pretty bow on it this ribbon looks like an awareness ribbon yeah and I can't think of any other thing besides awareness ribbons it looks like it's maybe teal but it's kind of hard to tell the lighting is weird and it's a really quick snippet And I don't know. I don't know the significance of it. Like teal, like represents a lot of things, ovarian cancer, sexual assault, anxiety, women murdered by domestic partners. But there's like a huge list. So like, I don't know. We could say it's a reference to the sexual assault case that she won, but that doesn't feel like a like appropriate like it doesn't feel like it fits especially when her symbolism of that is like the dollar bill because that's what she countersued for and won exactly i don't know my initial thought was it had to do with her mother being sick maybe and representation for her but i don't know there are so many different things that awareness ribbons represent for like every single color you're right yeah it's just that ribbon's weird and like I keep repeating nobody's talking about it and I feel crazy (laughs) like I feel like I feel like everyone's like yeah there's a ribbon on it because it's a gift the shape of it though that's an awareness (laughs) ribbon straight up what does her sash say can you tell miss bejeweled miss bejeweled this whole thing is interesting so she disappears in the middle of taking pictures while Jack is on one knee proposing and People think that this whole sequence is a nod to Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. She's wearing this most bejeweled sash and then she leaves the, the prince. She ghosts him and he's just left there, quote unquote, heartbroken, even though like he doesn't actually care in the video. But it just seems to be interesting. Huh. So then we get into one of the most like iconic, very quick clips of the entire music video, which is when Prince Jack is proposing, it zooms in on House Wench Taylor's face, who's no longer a house wench. But her <laughs> pins in her hair say SN. Mm-hmm. Speak now, probably. And she winks. And when Taylor yep. winks, that means something. Yeah. Speak now. See, she can't go back. On her word. I don't know, man. And released 1989 Taylor's version. See, but you also were so convinced that it was going to be 1989 because of all the stuff that she dropped during the red Taylor's version era. Yeah, but my theory for that makes sense. My theory is that 1989 TV was next. And then Shake It Off couldn't shake its lawsuit. So she had to, like, redirect. I think you're right. Like, I think that that is 100% what happened. But, like, 
if she could go back on the 1989 one, she could totally be like, oh, God, I'm free. 1989, my baby. And I said, it's like, in- can someone sue me over a Speak Now song? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I said in the um, 1989 versus Speak Now episode that part of the reason she's re-recording is so that the bad men don't get the money. And it's not just about the money, but that's what doesn't benefit the people who spent millions of dollars on her art. 1989 is her most popular album up until Midnight's, but for the sake of re-recordings, it's the most popular one yet to be re-recorded. So it would benefit her or rather take away the benefit from her original catalog if that was the next one to be re-recorded because Blank Space, Bad Blood, Style, Out of the Woods, these are still like just ever present in pop culture. So it would be really beneficial to have Taylor's versions of those. Or I guess like part of me also like, thanks like hang on with me for a second while I try to put this thought into words because it's a jumble in my brain right now I almost wonder like should she hold off on 1989 a little bit longer because it probably does make the owners the most money so it's the most worthwhile for them to hold on if she were to like re-record her less popular albums like debut and I mean we know that speak now is a fan favorite but it's not like a mass population favorite so we'll throw speak now into that category and all we have is like reputation in 1989 left but if she were to focus on those the ones that aren't going to hurt the owners of her masters as much versus re-recording her most popular one causing the biggest dent in owning her masters and then forcing the owners to go into negotiation with her so that they can make some money off of her masters to sell them back to her. I guess what I'm saying is, would she want to drag it out and let them hang on to 1989 until she rips that away from them at the very end? Because I can't see her like purchasing her masters back. I think she's enjoying the re-recording process. My ideal vision would be that she does all the re-recordings, she gets all of them out there, and then at some point she buys her masters back so that they can make some sort of a return, but only so that we can listen to songs where the Taylor's version is unfortunately inferior like we are never ever getting back together 22 even holy ground like those mm-hmm. songs the original is better the anger in forever and always in the original cannot be replicated by a happy in love 30 year old woman it just can't I feel be. that way about the way I loved you like she did a good job for sure and I only listen to it except I have vinyls of all of her old stuff so sometimes I break them out but the teenage angst in her fearless tracks is like part of my nostalgia for it exactly it can't be replicated so as hard as she tries like she is human so she her voice did mature and she does an amazing job too like when other artists re-record their things they try to vastly improve and she did a really good job at staying as true as she possibly could with the exception of girl at home which yeah you can tell she doesn't like that song either despite being your least favorite song ever that Taylor Swift has released gets brought up in every fucking episode somehow (laughs) but that one was I remember being like shook I was pissed about the remake of Girl Hope because I didn't love it anyway but (laughs) you did it literally the first couple notes playing I thought my speakers were broken (laughs) (laughs) okay so in the music video it says she ghosted because House Wench Taylor, now Princess Taylor, whatever, apparently stands Prince Jack up, which I think is funny and very of its yeah. time. 
They closes the little ring box. I didn't catch any Easter eggs there, but I just love Jack Antonoff. He looks so goofy all the time. He does. <laughs> and then it goes to Taylor looking very love story-esque. We have so much to unpack in this last scene. Oh so much to unpack. <laughs> Those little hairpins, the aforementioned hairpins that were SN, now say TS. Taylor Swift. Something that I noticed that I don't see a lot of people talking about is she has the Dita Von Teese beauty mark on her face now and I wonder if this means that she may have an appearance on the heiress tour or something oh that would be so fun I hope so and then the words over the screen say after she ghosted it says but kept the castle because of course she did and she's standing on a balcony which I'll let you say it shit (laughs) well there's the line in love story balcony in summer air that I think of that's just my fearless bias coming out but more notably This railing of the balcony in the scene looks just like the flying balcony that Taylor used during her love story performance on the Speak Now tour, down to the yellow dress and everything. Exactly, exactly. So many Speak Now references, including the song in the background being an instrumental version of Long Live. Long Live Yes. And I think it's important to note that this scene starts like face shot of Taylor and it zooms out. And as we start zooming out, we see more and more of the scene. So we notice the stained glass windows behind her. It matches the floral pattern of her most recent Mother's Day merch drop. And it's also really similar to the design on the cover of her debut album. Easter egg. We continue to zoom out. We see more stuff. Taylor is on the balcony and there are five seagull carvings on each side of her balcony. Five meaning fifth album, meaning 1989, which the symbol for 1989 is a seagull because seagulls are on the cover of 1989. Mm -hmm. There's a cat gargoyle, you know, Taylor loves cats. There's a huge bell on top of a tower that is pretty prominent in the shot. And Taylor rang a giant bell during her performance of Haunted on the Speak Now tour. Yep. Not to mention then, the three dragons. Yeah, three. Three, three, three. There's we've, so many threes. We've said in the podcast before, that girl definitely watches House of the Dragon. There's no world where she doesn't. But more importantly than potentially being a House of the Dragon reference, in the song Long Live, the lyrics reference dragons saying, I had the time of my life fighting dragons with you. She's not fighting them here, though. They're vibing with her. But I, I don't know. An interesting point is that the dragons catch the castle on fire. Okay. <laughs> the castle starts burning. <laughs> oh, shit. I never noticed that the towers were actually on fire. Yeah. No, you're Yeah. Right. Like the <laughs> castle starts burning. <laughs> She's just first. Okay. Then Taylor in this does not look alarmed at all. <laughs> no. My home is on fire. She's like, good. Well, Let it burn, I wonder, bitch. I wonder if it, like, I had the time of my life fighting dragons with you. If you have not listened to our long live analysis, go do so. I think that the dragons in that scenario are, um, you know, the media, the people that are against her. You know, she fights them to, like, get her spot. And the dragons are attacking the castle, but she is safe and secure in her castle. Amazing. 
Well, as we zoom out, Olivia already mentioned that there's a blood moon. And there's a blood moon variant of Midnight's. The shot is completely zoomed out from Taylor on the balcony. You can see the Long Pond studio cabin lit up in the woods. Taylor has a recording session documentary on Disney Plus at Long Pond Studios for her album Folklore, but not Evermore because she hates Evermore. And this could also be seen as the cabin from the Cardigan music video or the cabin at the beginning of the Bejeweled music video. And you can also see a big bonfire in the woods, which is thought to be the witch's fire from the Willow music video. I love, I love, I forgot about that, about the cabin. (laughs) And again, there's probably some stuff that we missed. And if we did, what did you notice? Just to throw it out there. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Podcast. You can send us an email, taylearningpodcast at gmail.com. So let us know what you noticed. And there were things that Olivia noticed that I did not notice. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you. Things that Danny noticed. Like there's there's so much to unpack here. And we love hearing from you guys. So let us know if you think we missed anything significant. For real. I learned that the castle was burning. I literally did not notice. Yeah. It's such a little minute detail. I did not. And you know, that's like. You know, it's CGI. That was intentional. Very intentional. What did you, Taylor? And what did I teach you? Ooh, I really loved learning about your thought for the third floor, like being left empty by her taking all the jewels and sparkles from it, basically taking the financial significance of her original Speak Now master when she does her Speak Now re-recording. I really, really like that. That is how I take that. And I really want to wear that bejeweled corset to one of the tours, but everyone's going to be wearing it and everyone's going to look so fabulous. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it could be fun, you know? You could find other Swifties and like take pictures with them in matching bejeweled outfits. And as we get closer, we'll tell you guys more about the the shows that we're going to. We hope to see you guys there. Very excited about that. But for now, like, like we said, follow us. Those TikToks are picking up and we love that you're here and that this community is growing. And Bejeweled was so much fun to analyze, but holy shit, this was a lot. Yeah, it was really intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, excuse me, I can wait for the look what you made me do analysis because that one's going to give me a headache. Yeah, that one's going to be a lot. That might be a two-parter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are we talking about next week? So next week... Uh, next Wednesday, we're not going to have an episode, unfortunately, because we are going to take a couple weeks of a seasonal break and then come back strong mid-January. But we are going to give you one more episode before we leave you. And we are going to do an analysis of Christmas Tree Farm for the Christmas holiday season to help get you in the Christmas spirit. In my heart is a Christmas tree farm where the people would come to dance under It'll be cute and fun. It'll be so cute. And then we are going to take a break, but that gives you plenty of time to catch up on the last, it'll have been seven months of content. So catch up, keep an eye out on our TikTok. We'll keep you all updated there on the goods. And yeah, we'll come back with season two, halfway through January. Yes. But for (laughs) now, I'm Olivia. And I'm Danny. Thanks for listening. Happy holidays. What's a girl gonna do? A diamond's gotta shine. I believe I'm still be jewel. When I walk in the room, I can still make the whole place shine. Welcome back. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs>
<laughs> Got it. All right. <laughs> it's been too long. That's the clip at the end. <laughs> I can do this, Olivia.